This week, Darren's going to do the reading for us. So this morning's reading is taken from Acts chapter 7, and we're starting at verse 51. And I'm reading from the New International Version. You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You have received the law that was given through angels and have not obeyed it. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and, yelling at the tops of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and begun to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell to his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he said this, he fell asleep. Amen. Thank you. Uh, it's good to be with you again this morning. Andrew Rivett was a uh, French Protestant church leader and a refugee. So he spent his, most of his life in the Netherlands, uh, the Dutch always having been very moderate about uh, their beliefs and uh, a good place where people went as refugees. Um, he was a theologian. He spent most of his life teaching theology in the University of Leiden. And uh, as a theologian, he loved his books, he loved to read, he loved uh, to talk about Jesus. And he was described as a man full of the Holy Spirit and faith. A man like Stephen was described as well. So as he got older, he, he became frailer and he preached his last sermon at the age of 77 on Christmas Day in 1650. And he died on, he then um, became really seriously ill and he died on the 7th of January. Been a devout man. He'd served his Lord well. And as he prepared to die, he discovered something really, really significant about the process of being at that ultimate point of pressure on your life, at the ultimate point of challenge in our lives, the point that we will all one day face that of dying. And he said, uh, no, 
Thank you. He said, he said something really significant. He said, as, as he lay down, he said, the sense of divine failure increases in me every moment. My pains are tolerable and my joy inestimable. I am no longer vexed by earthly cares. You are my all, Lord. My good is to approach you. Oh, what a liberty I have in God, in whom all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You are the teacher of spirits. I have learned more divinity in these last ten days since that you have come to visit me than in the fifty years before. For this great saint of the church, uh, this period as he approached death was one of, uh, of learning, of discovery, of God being his sanctifier, the one who had co- caused him to worship, and that death itself had become his servant as it taught him those things. So I wanted to start this morning. It's a quite a morning, really. We already had the beheading of, of Goliath. Well, we sang some fantastic songs, which are really about challenging times in our lives. So I want to start this morning by just thinking for a few moments about a biblical meaning of death. Thank you. Um, I'll have to remain reminded of your name. Jacob? Jacob, good biblical name. And, uh, uh, and a biblical view of death. I don't know whether you watch... Uh, daytime television. We, since we've retired, we watch some daytime television. If you watch the, the channels that have advertisements, there are endless uh, advertisements that break your heart about the sort of plight that animals have. And a whole series of adverts which are all about paying for your funeral in advance. You see, the advertisers know who are watching the programmes. That's why they pay for them to be there. And there's a, there's a particularly weird set, in my view, particularly weird set of, in, of, of adverts at present, which are cartoons of elderly lady talking to her neighbour about prepayment plan, plans for their funerals. And it basically says... I don't want to be any bother. I don't want to be any trouble for my relatives. So there's a prepayment plan where you can pay, and when you die, you, basically the next thing happens that your relatives can get your ashes back. And then they can have, according to the grandchild who's in the little pit, in the pro, in, in the advert as well, we can have a real celebration. And I set that in contrast against a biblical view of death, which is that death is always in the scriptures seen as the enemy. We were not designed to die. Death comes into existence because of our sinfulness. We are by nature people designed to live forever. And death is not our friend Death is not uh, something that can be trivialised. Death is always, in the Bible, uh, our um, enemy. It's not heroic or glamorous. It's not what Hemingway writes about. It's about something which is awful. And we have become immune to that, particularly in the West, 
because our health service protects us from death. Well, I talked to you last time about the way that my, uh, we were looking at our um, ancestors with their 15 children, five of whom died whilst they were growing up. But that meant all those other children discovered what death was like even within their family. And we have become quite immune from that. And we've put it away. And ultimately, the little cartoon that tells people about their prepayment plan is playing into that, even to the point of you don't actually have to do anything with a dead body. You don't have to do anything about having a service. You don't have to go to the crematorium. You just get the, just get the ashes back in a box. Death is our enemy and it has always been our enemy. Christ must reign, says Colossians 15. Christ must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. We were not created by God to die. Death is a curse and an enemy, which Romans 5 tells us, came into the world by sin. Thank you, Jacob. The other particular view of Scripture is that death itself becomes a servant, just as we were thinking in the story of Andrew Rivet. It becomes a servant in this kind of way. This may be a surprise to you. We believe that... We believe that in Romans 8, we believe that who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress, shall persecution, shall famine, shall nakedness, or peril, or sword? In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul says, I am persuaded that neither death nor life will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are more than conquerors through death. God gives us victory over death. But more than victory, death itself is defeated by Jesus. He is bound in the chains of resurrection. He is bound in the chains of resurrection power so it cannot defeat us, cannot destroy us. A death is handed over, is bound and defeated to become a servant of God's people. That's a really strange expression, but here's where it comes from. 1 Corinthians 3. Let no one boast of men, for all things are yours, whether the world or life or death or the present or the future. All things are yours and you are Christ's. And Christ is God's. We were just singing that, weren't we? You are Christ and Christ is, Christ is God's. And in what sense then is death ours? It is ours to be a servant of ours, to be a kind of helper of ours in, in that kind of respect. You are Christ to serve him and to glorify him. So death is your servant. The enemy is defeated, he's bound, it's enslaved, it's delivered into our service. Now this is not some kind of immature view of death. This is about how death works for the believer and what it does. Think of the story of Andrew Rivett. Think of what he was discovering. This terrible enemy has been a tutor of heaven. And so it is with all of God's enemies, even, the, even in their de- de- 
destruction, they are made to serve the saints. Think about 2 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 5, which talks about Satan himself becoming a servant of the saints of God. And because that is true, because those are two true, they're not very popular views anymore, because we don't see death as being something that is, is the enemy, because we've rationalised it, and because we don't see death itself as even being part of our Christian experience, in which God will be at work, because those two things are true, this view of, biblical view of death, we can, we can move on to look at the life of Stephen and what happens in Stephen's life. Thank you, Jacob. Now, Stephen has done something remarkable. He has preached the longest sermon in the scriptures. Okay, so most preachers like me will be looking at the clock and thinking, goodness, am I already halfway through my time? But he wasn't constrained by that. He preached a really long sermon. And you heard the end of it. If you were a bit puzzled where we picked that passage up, uh, he's just rounding off and he's talking to these Jewish leaders and he says, oh, you know, you're a pretty rotten lot. And all you have done uh, and all you do is have a self-seeking uh, religion that works for yourself. And he calls them some really awful names and then he rounds off. So, you know, if you preach a really strident sermon like that, you might get a reaction and the reaction is pretty dramatic, isn't it? Because what we, what we read in Scripture is that they stoned him. I say, this is a really... Mi- <laughs> I want you to go home with a spring in your step. And we, we've, had the, we've had the story of David and Goliath, and now we've got the story of Stephen getting stoned. But we can see, what, we can see what's, uh, what's happened to him. And, and what is God's response to the anger and the fury and the and the destructiveness that's being focused on him by those Jewish leaders, God fills him with his Holy Spirit. And in a sense, in the context of your your series, this is true for us when we're in those situations. You, You might say, would it be true for me? Well, you're not in that situation. This is one of the promises of God. It's not exceptional, You can expect God to do this if you walk with him. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, in the most famous psalm in the scriptures. God draws near to us in our challenging times, and the more challenging times we have, the closer he will draw near to us. And the most challenging moment we will have is that of dying and he will, he will draw the closest to us. 1 Peter 4 says that when you suffer with Christ, the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. And you might say, could I endure those moments? How will I endure those moments? Or... Is this something very special that we're reading about in Stephen? And the answer is, no, you will not endure these moments. The answer is that, of course, you, you cannot, I cannot, we cannot, if we're left to ourselves. But there is extraordinary grace being demonstrated here in an extraordinary situation, that is, of someone who is facing death. And the spirit of glory 
and of God will rest upon us. So we see this in several ways in this story. The first one we see is that in Stephen's experience, it's like there is a window open to see Jesus. That, that he can see the Lord afresh in this moment. And that he is, he is able to focus on the glory of God and Jesus who is standing at the right hand of God. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And therefore, do you see how death itself is being stripped of any power here? Because it, it, as it raises it, its ugly head and thro- threatens to take away all that we know, our relationships, our experience of God's blessing, everything that we have built our lives upon, these are the things that you would expect to be a loss. And yet here is the revelation of the glory of God. Put it like this. Death takes away our most meaning relationships and it replaces them with the presence of Jesus. Death takes away our most meaningful relationships and and replaces them with the presence of Jesus. Now that doesn't mean to say that everybody who dies has a revelation in quite the same way that Jesus, that uh, Stephen does. But I mean that the Holy Spirit comforts us and, it, and he robs death of its power. One way or another, the Holy Spirit enables us to have a window on the glory of God, which is kind of thing that Andrew Rivett was describing 400 years ago and is current today and for those who love Jesus more than anyone and longs for the glory of God more than anything else in their lives which is true discipleship then the sting of death is gone and the power of death is broken we sing those words so often we've been referring to it in our singing this morning and that's true for us So the first way that the Holy Spirit makes death serve Stephen is by making death a window to see the glory of God and the person of Jesus. Thank you, Jacob. The second way that we see here is that death is giving Stephen a sense of this experience being a doorway into meeting Jesus. It's an opportunity to see that, that our death is a procession into the presence of our Lord and Master. As they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Not only did the Holy Spirit turn this moment into a revelation of the glory of God, it showed Stephen that the reason why Jesus is standing was that he welcomes his servant home. So death is the doorway to enter into glory. And the triumph of the saint over death is the calm and confident knowledge and prayer, Jesus receive my spirit. And there's a thought. Alexis' ministry is in prison ministry, but, but many people's ministry in, in chaplaincy is into 
those uh, into hospitals and into um, uh, care homes and so on, where people face this reality day by day by day. And here is the reality of the hope of, Christ- of the Christian faith. Jesus received my spirit. John Piper, the, the very well thought of preacher and teacher, puts it this way. It's as though you are dying in a small cabin in the woods. The door is death and you're moving towards it inch by inch. As it opens, there is a huge ravenous wolf with bared fangs and furious eyes. At first you are terrified, but then the Holy Spirit opens your eyes and behind the wolf you see Jesus shining in the, like, like the sun. He stands with his arm extended to you and his face smiling. And hanging tight in the other hand, there is a chain which leads to an iron collar around the wolf's neck. You hesitate for a moment. And then the spirit gives you strength. And you put your foot in the threshold of the door. And the mouth of the wolf opens. At which point Jesus flings him with a mighty jerk clear out of sight. And you enter into the presence of the Lord of glory. So the second way in which death becomes our servant, even death becomes our servant, is not just that it's a a window into seeing the glory of God, but it's the doorway into meeting Jesus. And then, thank you, Jacob, the third occasion is it becomes an occasion to reflect Jesus. The scripture makes death serve Stephen in those other ways, but also by drawing out of him the beauty of Christ-likeness, the beauty of the discipleship that he has been on, in that he's able to forgive those who at that very moment are seeking to kill him. Lord, he says, do not hold this sin against him. And of course that reflects Jesus. And that reflects Stephen's journey of discipleship. That at this crucial moment in his life, he goes back to the life of Jesus, who says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Death has has failed utterly to curse Stephen, because even in that moment there is this beautiful forgiveness which is being granted from Stephen to the very people who are enraged against him death fails again in its task death the devil designs that death will produce despair and hopelessness and self-pity and resentment and bitterness but the design of the spirit was very different he destroys that power and makes death into an occasion to show what Jesus is like in our lives. Do not hold this sin against them. A great triumph of Christ's mercy in his life. So do you see how death has lost its sting? Death has lost its power. Death has lost its ability to triumph over us. And if that is true for us, 
when we face the ultimate experience of every human life, it will also be true, of course, of us now. Thank you, Jacob. So let's just make the connection for that. And in order to do that, I just want to tell you something that popped up on my Facebook feed this week. We knew a young American couple when we lived in Bluntersham. Uh, he, was a, uh, he was an intelligence officer with the American forces. He was based at Molesworth, which is attached to Alconbury and all that intelligent stuff that goes on in our corner of Cambridgeshire. And they were a lovely, lovely couple, relatively young uh, at the time, uh, not long married, Living, in, uh, living as Americans in, in, in the UK. Not the easiest of tasks, I have to say. Fortunately, she'd done her master's degree in London and therefore knew that not all Americans are right all the time. So, so they were lovely and we enjoyed their presence. So they came to us for Christmas Day, for example, because they had nobody else to go to. Uh, my father-in-law, who'd been in the RAF, wanted to know exactly what he did. I kept on saying to him, Ron, he'll have to kill you if he tells you what he does. Okay? So, so just calm it. It's Christmas Day. Just, just, just relax about it. Anyway, Dave popped up on my Facebook feed this week because his, his father had sadly died. Died on the 1st of February. And uh, I, I looked his father up. It turned out his father had been an amazing minister. He had, he had been ordained at the age of 19. He had pastored churches. He had then led the American, uh, the, his church's mission activity in Liberia for 30 years, which means that I think David, Dave must have been born there, I, I should think. He had, he had become the principal of their first theological college, an, an amazing ministry which had gone on for, for many years and had just died. I didn't know that until I saw, looked him up, saw Dave's, Dave's comment. But here's what Dave says. One of my last visits to my parents in their house, he says... His dad did as he often did when he spoke of God. He raised his outstretched hands skyward and talked rapturously of the day when he would see him face to face. Dave says, now he is there and will be in my heart until we meet again. Or as he always said on parting, not goodbye, but see you next time. And he finished with this little, little, um, little poem, I suppose it is, it's called Finally Home. He says... Just think of stepping on shore. It was from his father. Just think of stepping on shore and finding it heaven. Of touching a hand and finding it God's. Of breathing new air and finding it celestial. Of waking up in glory and finding it home. So let me just finish with trying to connect what we have been thinking about with our lives today. When the Holy Spirit opens your eyes to behold the love and glory of God, and when you know that Jesus is alive and triumphs at God's right hand, and when the Holy Spirit gives you the will to say, Jesus, there is no other place I would rather be than with you, then the beauty and the power of the Holy Spirit will invade our hopeless, self-pitying resentful lives and it will become consumed by the power and the presence of God for to live is Christ and to die is gain and when we live like that when we experience God in that powerful way then nothing will deter us from being his disciples this is the way we die by the power of the spirit And this is the way that we live by the power of the Spirit. 
knowing the revelation of God's glory, knowing the triumph of Jesus over our enemies, trusting ourselves into his presence, overflowing with mercy and grace to his enemies. And that is why we seek the fullness of God's spirit within our lives. And this is why we cry out, Lord, show us your glory. For even in death, where is your victory? And where is your sting? The power of sin and death is the power of the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.